Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. I'm here at the NovaCare Complex. We are getting ready for the New Orleans Saints. I realize there's a whole lot going on with this football team, with your emotions. Let me begin by saying happy and healthy New Year to everyone out there. We have a lot of football left in this 2022 season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to make sure that our entire family, including you and you and you and you and you, are there every step of the way. All right, so let's get to caught up. Before we get into the meat of the Eagles Insider Podcast here, injuries are, of course, at the forefront of everybody's mind. And let me get you caught up on everything as we conclude the day on Wednesday as we tape this episode. No word on Jalen Hurts and his availability for Sunday's game against the New Orleans Saints. Nick Sirianni saying this week that we'll see what kind of progress that he makes. If he's healthy, he will play. But Jalen Hurts must be healthy to play against the Saints. Gardner Minshew threw for 355 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions against the Cowboys. The Eagles have full confidence in Minshew should he be the starter against the Saints. The Eagles had a walkthrough practice on Wednesday. We'll find out a little bit more on Thursday here as the Eagles get ready for New Orleans and a return home to Lincoln Financial Field after three consecutive weeks. Right tackle Lane Johnson will take the option of rest, recovery, rehab rather than surgery to repair an abdominal slash groin injury that has bothered him the last several weeks and that knocked him out of the game in Dallas. And the hope is that Johnson will be back here as Sirianni talking about Johnson and about how tough he is. Um, And the hope is, of course, that he'll be back, but really no timeline on lane. But there is a chance that he'll be back for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, we, we he's he's one of the toughest guys we've ever been around, um, and obviously says a lot about how he cares about his teammates, uh, who he is as a teammate, um, and you know he's in pain. Um, that he's just going to do whatever he needs to do to to get himself ready to play, and uh, and and that's for and that's for his teammates. So it just it speaks of his toughness and his and his desire to uh, connect and and how much he all his teammates mean to him. Cornerback Avante Maddox out, quote, indefinitely, end quote, with a toe injury. No update there. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the fine safety who's been out for four weeks after suffering a lacerated kidney against the Green Bay Packers. He's eligible to come off injured reserve and open that 21-day practice window. That word has not come as of Wednesday. So we're waiting and we're seeing Gardner-Johnson it sounds optimistic. He's been around. He was in the locker room on Wednesday. Looked good. Smiled a lot. Really, really upbeat. So unlikely that he plays against the Saints, for sure. If the Eagles win on Sunday, or rather when they win on Sunday, certainly won't play against the Giants. But then C.J. Gardner-Johnson, let's hope, fingers crossed, that he's good to go whenever and wherever the Eagles begin their playoff run. So that's kind of your update. Jordan Davis KO'd from the game in Dallas. No word on his availability for Sunday. So the Eagles come into this game with some question marks. Who's going to play right tackle? That was a question asked many times in the locker room on Wednesday. Nobody saying nothing. So as long as the Eagles can keep that a mystery to the Saints, the more the Saints have to prepare. 
And then who's going to play in the cornerback spot replacing Maddox? Josiah Scott has been that guy. It makes sense that he continues to be that nickel cornerback for the Eagles on defense. All right, that's the injury update for you. As the Eagles get ready for the 6-9 and nine New Orleans Saints, we'll get our first look at the Saints in just a bit here. A team that had high hopes for the season, has had a bunch of injuries, some poor play at quarterback, and in the NFC South, they're still alive. A faint heartbeat, but a heartbeat nonetheless. So we'll get that first look at the Saints. Our extra point today will be a visit from our honorary captain on Sunday. From the 1990s, defensive tackle Andy Harmon. Are you old enough to remember Andy Harmon? One of the first undersized pass-rushing defensive tackles. He visits. And we're also going to hear from Eagles punter Brett Kern, who has been with the team here a couple of weeks. Eagles in good shape with an experienced leg, a good holder. As the Eagles come down the stretch here, the final two games at Lincoln Financial Field. And then the playoffs, Brett Kern has been in every big game except the Super Bowl. He'd love to be there this year. All right, we begin our Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Brandon Graham in studio. It's been a dream year for BG. Comeback player of the year, no doubt about it. One-on-one with Eagles defensive end Brandon Graham. I'm thrilled to be joined by Brandon Graham on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Um, I'm going to say this. Did you make a New Year's resolution last year that you were going to come back and have a dream season? Because I feel like, Brandon, this has been literally a dream season for you. Man, you know what? Around this time last year, I was thinking, oh, man, I can't wait to see what uh, how I come back next year, next year. And then, you know, I was hoping that we made a run, even if I didn't come back. Uh, oh, I wasn't coming back at the end of the year, but... Man, you're right, though. Like, um, I I dreamed about it, but you don't know what it's going to be until you actually get here. Man, I couldn't have asked for a better season. Coming off the bench, about to get double digits, hopefully. And, you know, just making this run towards uh, a, a Super Bowl. You you had said all along that the rehab was I, – I kind of just want to dig into that a little bit, just the, mm-hmm. the mental part of it, because I feel like that's such a key in for people who have setbacks – um, and you just approach everything with such a positive mindset. Why, Brandon? W- were there times when, when you were getting carted off the field against the Niners? What were you feeling? Do you, do you remember? Like, do you ever draw from that? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I was. I remember looking up at the sky, well, at the scoreboard at the time, uh, and just looking like, man, dang, it's, it's something serious. Because I didn't. I never had a Achilles before. I just knew it felt mushy. And I was just like, oh, man. Ah, and I tried to step on it, and it was just like, okay, it's not that bad, but I know it's something. And, boy, they told me Achilles. I was just like, wow. And I was like, you know what? It's all good. It's like at the end of that tunnel. I'm going to be back. Luckily, I just had signed a, uh, a new, you know, uh, get, got more guarantee because that's when I figured, okay, well, at least I got one more year to try to prove myself, and I'm going to just work my butt off. And I just tried to flip it because I knew the season was over. I knew – I was going to be out, you know, but I just didn't know, you know, what it was. And once I knew that, it was just like, okay, let me start attacking this head on, get to spend more time with my family. I just started looking at the positives before I started hitting the negatives because uh, the negatives started to come at the at the end of the day when you're like, ah, man, all the plans you had for this year, and now you got to wait till next year. So 
um, but it was still good. And you're in your 12th year, and this is a young man's game, and there's always a fear in every player's mind, I believe, that the end is near. Oh, yeah. Even right? now. Even now. It's like, man, I only got a couple months left because I'm on a one-year not knowing, hopefully we do it right and, and holding that ring at the end. And then that'll be my pitch for next year. Like, hey, let me run it back with you. You've played 39% of the snaps. You have nine quarterback sacks. You will get into double digits. I believe I'm, I'm predicting a sack plus on Sunday against the Saints. Do you think you're playing football vintage Brandon Graham? <laughs> you know what? I never heard of it like that. But, yeah, man, I honestly, I feel great. I don't feel like I played a whole season. Uh uh, of course, you know, the guys that's playing more, you know, probably feel different than what I feel. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, every time I get a chance, opportunity out there, I, I, it's like go is, you know, you got to take full advantage of them reps. And so that's my mindset, man. When I go out there, I'm relieving guys. They done warmed them up for me. And now it's uh, time for me to knock them out. That's how I kind of look at it. And so, man, I've just been having fun with it. Um, no no pressure. It was an adjustment at first. It wasn't as easy as how it is now um, because, you know, it was hard to kind of adjust to playing 39%, like you said, of the plays. But when I started seeing, like, man, you fresh out here and this boy out here tired, all you got to do is make sure you make them quality reps. And that, once I changed my mindset on that, man, I, I just know it's a mindset that you got to have. You got to kind of block the the easy route, the easy route to pout and say, ah, I wish I could do this, I wish that. But, you know, you just got to talk to yourself in, in a better way when, uh, when you're in those stressful situations. There was a moment in training camp when reporters kind of made a big deal about you being a quote-unquote backup. And, like, I don't consider you a backup. Like, does that – is that an offensive term? Um, if you look at it like that, because at first it was like, oh, man, you're right. I am. That's what it's going to be. Because in training camp, you it's like everybody getting the same amount of reps because they want to see everybody. But, no, you know what it was? It's like uh, that my – like, the, I know the media is going to try to, you know, build a – build a wedge in between, you know, some some guys, and that's just their job. But for me, I tried to be bigger than that, bigger than that part because I knew we had a good team. I knew we was going to have to work all year together. So, you know, I was just like, man, let me just be the best Brandon Graham I could be. Uh, and if I got to come off the bench, that's cool too because we all starters in my eyes because we all all playing good. Um, shoot, I mean, Haas was a great addition. He'd been playing his butt off all year. You know, uh, Hargrave, Fletch, uh, Sweaty, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I, just, I just try to just have a great mindset through it all, man, because we really do got something special, and I don't want to mess it up. When did you know that this team – could be something special. Having gone through it back in 17, other seasons, really good teams. When do you know, Brandon? We we all asked you every single day in training camp early. Season, hey, how good can this team be? You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. When do you know? Uh, you know during the season a little bit, uh, when you get tested a little bit. Uh, I know the first game we played the Lions. Um, you knew we had something good, but – I felt like we needed to tighten up on defense uh, a little bit in our run defense. Then as the season kept going, I felt like once Sue and those guys got here, that's when I started feeling like, okay, I knew where our holes was. Let's plug them up. And them boys did with uh, with them two coming in and relieving the uh, the starters, you know, and, and getting them rest so they can come in fresh too. And, man, it's been a, a great addition for them two. And I just felt like once we plugged that part up and our pass defense has been good – 
man, I just I, I, I've loved our chances because obviously the defense got to be t- stout because we know about our offense already, but we had to make sure that we uh, complement them well. And then on special teams, I felt like special teams gotten better too uh, as the season went on. So uh, I feel like now from like November, December area, you know, that's when you start to see like, okay, we, we, we can really do this thing. Brandon, I wonder, uh, and I do want to get into you specifically because what a remarkable season. Two Defensive Player of the Week honors, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee from the Eagles for Team Grand. We want to make sure that fans vote for you. It directly impacts your ability to help those in need, and we'll tell people how to do that. Um, But uh, Eagles lose to the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Uh, You know, you try to spend time with your family. You're having a good time on Christmas. I got a lot of reaction from, oh, Dave, is everything okay? Like, how did the team respond to the loss? Like, like the Eagles had never lost a game before. Right. Did you get that kind of stuff? I did. It's just been a minute since we felt that, like, it, it, even Washington, everybody just wanted to make the excuse of, man, we just played bad. And we did, which we did, but we still took a loss. And so we got to deal with that. We got to learn from that. And then we move on. Uh, but then we go on our run again. Then we lose to a team that everybody just wanted to beat. And, boy, you know them feelings. Everybody was emotional. Probably when you heard what you just heard, it's like, man, you got to say, hey, you know what? We we can always be beat any given Sunday. Now that's what it showed us. Look, when we turn the ball over three or four times and we uh and then we don't make plays on third down, uh we we can lose we can lose just as easy, you know what I'm saying? I don't care what the record has been. People don't respect that. They respect what you do that Sunday. And you know, cuz they got a game plan that they got to carry out and they want to make sure that they bring their best against what's supposedly the best. That's what the league's saying we the best. We got to go out there and prove it every week, but we got to know that it's targeted on our backs. And um and I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, just bring it on. It's all about your attitude on how you do it. And you know that it ain't going to be perfect, and sometimes you're going to take L's. And hopefully it's not now at this point we can't take L's because you go home at that point. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like uh, a lot of guys, we, we had a lot to learn from that last game. Even though Gardner was in, it's still we still a team, and we still could have pulled it off. But we got to make sure we give ourselves the best shot by not turning the ball over and, and then taking the ball away. We're talking on Wednesday. The Saints come to town on Sunday. We know what's at stake, Brandon. A win clinches the NFC, home field advantage, a bye week, which I know you will love. Yep. NFC East title. What's the mood in the locker room? Give us the in, give us the tea, as the kids say. Everybody is loving uh, the position we're in. We're in, and they say we just need one so that the guys can can get a little rest and get ready for this this real stretch. And I mean, we're not looking too far ahead. We got to play these Saints this week because they they still in the hunt too. And we just got we just can't play around with them because they a good team, good offense, um, defense is, is top tier. Uh, they just have been just turning the ball over a lot, uh, and that's what we've seen. But they make plays. Uh, I mean, they got a unique way of how they run their offense, and we just got to make sure that we uh, come and accept the challenge uh, on Sunday. You've been named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week twice. What does that mean to you? Man, it means man. It's first time, first time in the in the season of my whole career that I've had two in one in one um, in one one year, and. Man, like I said, coming off the bench too, you know. So it's been, it's been just I've been such in an awe, man, of just this whole season 
of where we can go as a team and then some of the individual awards I done got and what I can accomplish for the first time in my career, getting double-digit sacks. No pressure, but just just something that just that just popped up on you where you're like, man, I got eight and a half. Man, I could do this. Dang, I get a half in this last game. It'll happen on come, on, come on, baby. Yeah. You know, but it's all good. Either way, man, I'm just out here having fun, honestly, and trying to slow slow time down because, man, I'm just, when you're, you're having fun, right? boy, right? just, ah, just enjoying these these moments right yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, um, what does that mean to you? That's that's big right there, man. To win one of the, I mean, not win, but just be nominated. Uh, as man, it just show you that you're doing something. You're doing something right. Uh, but just know that you know the work is not done. Just keep on, keep being you. It just let me know to just keep being me. Keep 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 trying to be better uh, at what you do. Uh, keep motivating and, and inspiring other people because I'm sure somebody's looking at me and saying I, I want to be that, and I just want to make sure that I always give them something to to want to be. And you know, and I want you to exceed what I what it is that I'm doing because you know that's only gonna make make this organization better and make the league better. And so, man, it just made me want to just keep working, keep keep enjoying. Um, you know, just the little things of giving my time to people that don't that you don't even know that you helping. You just being, I'm just being me. So, man, I'm thankful for it. I'm appreciative, and I hope that um, while we at the Super Bowl, I win that thing, and then we go win the other one. If uh, Eagles fans, when you see the social team put out a tweet on Facebook, on Instagram, like it, share it. Uh, this this helps Brandon Graham and Team Graham, his foundation. The top three players, I believe, receive extra money to give toward their foundation. Obviously, the top one is the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, a winner, and um, nobody more deserving than Brandon Graham. Brandon, this your Team Graham offers its time and resources to organizations and causes in Detroit, mentoring girls and boys, giving away clothes, feeding the homeless and needy families, in addition to fundraising events. How bad is Detroit? You know what? Detroit is, is on the rise right now. It's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, Dan Gilbert has definitely cleaned up a lot. Uh, and then uh, some of the you know people that's behind the scenes have just cleaned up the, the city, man. It's it's up and coming right now. Um, what was your upbringing like? Uh, my upbringing, it was it was it wasn't social media, but you know I know that I was able to roam around a little more than what I what social media then kind of scared everybody now. Where you can't you don't be out as much as you used to be because you know it's just. As a kid, I used to be everywhere, and I know my mom. If she, if we had social media back then, like it is now, she would have been nervous for me to be in certain areas because of what you see on on a lot of things. But I just think that social media kind of makes it look worse than what it probably is because it's not as bad as as Philly. Philly bad too, you Philly know. Bad. Same thing. Yeah, cities are you bad. know what I'm saying? Cities are bad, but at the end of the day, they got their pockets, and then they got their good parts. They bad, and you just know where to go, where not to go. And sometimes trouble come knocking at the door. You can't can't help that. But uh, I know for me, uh, my upbringing was my mom always street lights come on in. As much as I hated it, I, I appreciate it even more now, uh, knowing what I see now. And that's how my kids gonna be. Same thing. I also believe BG that you will be the Ed Block Courage Award winner when the team votes on it. I don't know if you guys have voted on that, and it's a, an award given to a player who comes back from an injury or comes back from a hardship. And I also believe that NFL Comeback Player of the Year. It's I, I can't looking around. I can't think of anybody <laughs> who would be more deserving. And you said it when you got hurt that your goal was to come back and be the NFL's defensive. Or the NFL's I, Comeback I Player of the Year. I did say that. I did say that. And that was just me. 
you know, just putting it out there, just saying I'm going to work my butt off. That's really what I was saying and and, and make sure that uh, I do whatever I can to, to come back strong for the team since I got one more um, and I want to make it my best one. And, boy, it's it, it superseded everything that I even thought about to be in these – these nominations or, you know, the talks of Comeback Player of the Year, Ed Block uh, Courage Award, then, uh, you know, Walter, man, just a nominee. You know how that's going to stick with me even forever. You're like, now, nah. you know what I'm saying? It's just, man, I'm I'm just <laughs> enjoying it, man, because, yeah. Because you never know how it's going to last. You never know. Last. The last one for you, BG. On Sunday, the Eagles play at home finally after three road games. What is it like? Do you cherish it? If I don't know who's being called out um, through the tunnel, but when your name is called and you hear the crowd, what does that do to you? It gives me chills and it gives me ready to go because it just, you know, the love that, you know, just because you hear the roars for certain people and then I didn't realize until my wife had sent me a video just how loud it really was because when you in it, you doing your little dance, all that stuff, you don't hear it as loud as you hear it when you hear the offense go out and you hear Kelsey, you hear Jalen Hurst and them guys. And to get that same respect, man, it just, you know, I just, every time, it don't get, it don't get old. Definitely don't get old. Love it, man. Hey, keep good luck against the Saints. Thanks for your time. Eagles fans, make sure that you help BG win the Walter Payton Man of the Year. It is very important for everyone. Brandon Graham, thank you very much for your time and, and beat the Saints on Sunday. I appreciate you, man. Brett Kern has been in the NFL for 15 years, a year and a half with the Denver Broncos. Then he got cut. Then he goes to Tennessee, 13-plus seasons there. Outstanding career, three times an All-Pro, three times a Pro Bowler. Just a terrific punter. Eagles needed one when Aaron Sipos went down. Brett Kern was available, and now he's an Eagle. And let's get to know Brett Kern right here as the Eagles on special teams. Every bit counts this week going against a Saints special teams unit that goes after the punter. Brett Kern, one-on-one. We welcome in the new guy to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, Brett Kern. Uh, 15 years in the NFL, man. Do you, do, you, do you Have you kind of ever reflected and gone, I can't believe I'm still here? Uh, sometimes in the offseason, but uh, not really, honestly. I, I think I just try to take it. Um, I've learned over the years to take everything game by game, literally practice by practice. Um, and, you know, when whenever my career's over with, whenever that is, then I'll sit back, kind of enjoy uh, what it was, and um, go from there. Is it is – it, um... Is it great times or is it – I remember Sean Landetta telling me long ago um, that every year he thought he was going to get cut. And it wasn't like an enjoyable experience in the NFL. It was stress and always feeling motivated and, frankly, worried that he wouldn't be here the next day. Was it like been, was that been that way for you? 100%. Yeah, it's it's every year, you know, like I said, you, you go into each year not knowing, uh, you know, you have to prove yourself every year. Um, whether, you know, I got done with the Pro Bowl year and I still felt like, you know, I have to prove myself again. Uh, so there's really never a time to kind of sit back and kind of enjoy, you know, whether you're seven years in, you enjoy, hey, I've been in the league seven years. Or in my case, you know, I'm going on 15. Like, um, 
I have a lot of great memories and being able to take my family to the Pro Bowl and, and do all that kind of fun stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of memories with the Titans, you know, making an AFC championship game and uh, a lot of great friends that I've made over the years. But I don't feel like there's ever been a time where I can just sit back and and be content because I don't want to be content because the moment I'm content, I'm going to get lapped and someone's going to um, take my job and, and, and uh, you know, I won't be in the league anymore. How did you become a punter? Uh Grew up in a soccer family. Uh, dad was a goalie, played professional for a little bit uh, until he shattered his kneecap uh, playing. And I uh, played soccer, just grinded and grinded. And, and at some point, I just got burnt out. And uh, my high school football coach, he was a gym teacher. Both of them were, actually. And uh, they just kept, hey, man, like we see you kick a football in gym class. You can do it. you know. But in New York, I grew up in, in Buffalo, um, you can't play two sports in the same same season. Oh, really? Yeah, can't well, do. Uh, uh, that's interesting. Can't do both. So it wasn't like I could, you know, kick on, you know, for for football and, and play soccer as well. So uh, in tenth grade, I decided to make the switch and uh, went over to the to the football side. And I realized, you know, to get a scholarship to play soccer is pretty hard. Um, but football at that time when I was coming out, about half the schools were were willing to to give a full ride to a, a kicker or a punter. Uh, now it's obviously you know closer to one hundred percent. So. Uh, I figured that was my way to get college paid for, and I uh, went to the University of Toledo, met my wife there, which was the best part, and I uh, got to start all four years, uh, and then, um, you know, the rest is history. The, the interesting thing, and I, I obviously didn't know you in 2008, 2009, you, you signed with Denver, you have a great rookie season, and then you got cut from Denver midway through yeah. the second like what happened there what was that crazy yeah that was that was weird I mean I was you know my rookie year was my last was the last year with coach Shanahan Mike Shanahan and um you know I got to play with uh you know Brian Dawkins when he went to Denver and, and all that kind of stuff and John Lynch and uh the veteran leadership there was was way, unbelievable way to walk in starry was, 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 was <laughs> yeah I mean you want to talk about walking into locker room your rookie year and you're next to John Lynch and uh all that it was um big eye-opener but uh yeah, you know, the next year, you know, Coach Shanahan got fired and they brought in Josh McDaniels for his kind of first go around as a head coach. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things. I think they wanted their guy in there. And, uh, you know, I did well enough to win the camp battle. Uh, started off the season really good. And then we were playing, uh, it was either Monday night or Sunday night football. I can't remember which one, but we were playing at the Chargers. Darren Sproles was back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was supposed to put the ball out of bounds. It was pretty darn close for it going out of bounds. And, um, you know, Darren did his thing and, and house called it. And uh, I just remember thinking, I'm I'm probably done. That was my first really no kidding. My first big mistake that I made uh, that year. And uh, it was bye week. So, you know, I had the whole bye week. I thought I was good. And then I came back after bye week and didn't have a playbook in my locker back before there's iPads and all that kind of stuff. And um, Matt Prater was the kicker at the time. He's, you know, out in Arizona. And he, um, you know, he started laughing, thinking, hey, man, they just, you know, you're the punter. They forgot your playbook, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, 10 minutes later, somebody comes and grabs me and said, hey, man, we're going to we're going to let you go. So uh, it was pretty devastating because my son at the time was six weeks old. Uh, you know, my wife and I just found a good place to rent. And, um, you know, that's that's the business part. And it felt just it can it can smack you pretty hard. And um, and so then obviously the next day I, I got picked up 
uh, off waivers from the Titans and was there for you know 13 and a half years. And hence the the feeling that you're never you're, you're never, never safe. safe. You're yeah. never safe when you have an experience like that, especially when you're you know for at that time I was I was punting pretty well. I was off to a good start and yeah you know, I just got released because I made a mistake. Because Darren so, Sproles. Because Darren you. Sproles, Darren Sproles, and uh, I remember when I was with the Titans, played the Chargers again, so I had to face him again on, I think it was Christmas night, and I remember going up to him, I was like, dude, man, you already got me cut once, can you please, you know, I don't I don't need to go through this again, and he kind of laughed, but um, yeah, I think that's, that experience that I had early on in my career, really, regardless of how many Pro Bowls or whatever, stats, whatever you have, like, it's just, uh, you need to keep performing, and uh, you need to be consistent doing your job in order to keep your job. How would you compare the feeling you had in 09 versus the one you had I guess in 2022, before the season, when things didn't work out in Tennessee. Yeah. Like, you, I, um, you've been through it so many, right? Like, were you prepared for it? Yeah. I mean, when I saw, I, I knew too, like I was coming up on the last year of my contract. Um, you know, I wasn't the most expensive, but I wasn't the cheapest. Uh, so, you know, along the way, you, there's different things that you battle. You battle the fact that you're young. You might battle that you're older. You might battle that you're the most expensive. There's different things every year that, um, come into play just from a business standpoint. And so, um, you know, I think uh, when I saw Stonehouse kick, I mean, he has a tremendous leg. Uh, you know, we were just completely opposite punters. And I just remember telling my wife after I saw him punt uh, the first session, I came home, I said, look, I'm going to give it my all. Um, I know what I'm good at with, with what I can do, but it might not be good enough. And she and she just encouraged me along the way. So, you know, just try your hardest. And what happens, happens. And uh, when that day comes, you know, we'll we'll go through every situation to see uh, what's out there. So, um, yeah, I felt like I was – it wasn't one of those where it, it kind of really caught me off guard, like what, what happened in 2009. Um, you know, what happened this offseason was, was more of a slower – you know, I didn't even play in the last preseason game, and I kind of knew, like, man, this is this is going to be it. This is, my, this is the end of my ride in Tennessee. And But, you know, just kind of see what, uh, what God has next. For fans who don't understand – the phrase that you used, a different kind of punter. I mean, I understand there's your, there's tact, the different tactics in punting and different, you right. play to your strength. Could you explain a little bit of that? Like, what, how would you describe yourself as a punter? What are you good at? Yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm probably more, um, I always like to re- relate everything to golf. So, you know, when I was going against Stonehouse, he was more of the Roy McRoy, let's just, you know, let's smoke it off the tee and um, very uh, powerful tee shot I'd say you know he's a very powerful leg can can compound it I feel like I'm more like um like a Jordan Spieth you know kind of around the greens um you know I try not to hit touchbacks try to have uh try to pin guys with you know within the 10 and um you know just hit my spots hit my corners uh directionally because when I came when I first came in the league it was you had to be directional because it was the Darren Sproles the Devin Hester's uh you know Dexter McCluster when he came out and I mean that's you know, just some of the guys, and you felt like if, if you didn't have direction, I mean, you you were in trouble. Uh, and so that's why I, I felt like if I got really good at directional punting, I feel like, you know, I could play for a while. So, uh, you know, there's guys that go out there and they can just, you know, bomb it and high hang times and, you know, big punts. And, um, you know, there's other guys like me that kind of like to, you know, hit your spots and try to put it outside the numbers every time so your coverage knows where it's going. And so there's just different, uh, you know, a lot of the Aussies, they have different types of punts that, you know, returners don't like. And so there's just different types of guys out there. And, um, you know, I've kind of stuck to what I feel like I'm good at and tried to get better at it, better at it every year so I can try to play as long as I can. What has it been like, Brett, joining? You're a, you're a grizzled veteran. You've seen it all. What's it like joining a team that's 
been so successful this year? What are, what are your give me give me your thoughts on on the energy in the building, kind of the vibe, the just how everything's working for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, I mean, it, I think the the first and foremost thing that I noticed when I got here was um, just how everybody's a tight unit. Um, you know, sometimes you know I've been on teams in the past where certain guys only talk to certain guys and. Um, certain position groups hang out with certain position groups and you know I came here and within the first week I could tell um, everybody's talking to everybody everybody you know you sit down for lunch guys are sitting together doesn't matter hey the O-line's not just gonna sit with the O-line and it's, it's little things like that that um, you know you can tell it's a tight group um, and um, everybody uh, has the same goal in mind uh, sometimes with teams that's not the case guys are out for contracts certain things certain that and you might have that but it's not uh, it's not evident at all, and this is a really tight group with uh, some really great coaches, and uh, you could tell what the goal is, and uh, everybody kind of has their eye on the prize. You're back in the Northeast. Uh, we're going to be going in the playoffs here. It's going to be Philly. Um, what are the challenges? I mean, you don't even know the stadium yet. Have you? I've played. I've played there three times. Okay. Um, once was when it was you know preseason. It was 80 degrees outside, so the ball was flying. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's that's. I mean, that's football. Chicago was. You know, it was probably one of the. I told my wife after the game that I said that was probably one of the top three hardest games I've ever had a punt in, huh. uh, just because the wind was really hard and you know, you're trying to drive everything, trying to drive everything, uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, um, yeah, but I mean, the Northeast, the Northeast. I mean, you're, just, you're gonna get who knows what. Uh, it could be, you know, forty and sunny, and it could be, you know, like this weekend coming up for for a lot of teams, just just brutal. So, um, you know, ball doesn't fly as far maybe not as high but you still have to make great contact and, and still do your job uh the best that you can and uh more or less embrace the elements uh rather than complain about them and uh you know do the best you can how exciting is it for you to be in the chase for the ring it's awesome you know i got a little taste of it in 2019 uh with the titans going to the afc championship and, lo and losing <sighs> Can't uh, lost yeah no me too um you know, losing to the to the Chiefs, how we did. Uh, that was tough, but to get a taste of it makes you. Um, you know, I, I didn't get my first playoff game until my tenth year. So uh, once you experience it, you want more of it. Um, and so to be able to get an opportunity to come here uh, to fill in however however I can to do the best that I can for this team to help them win games. Uh, that's my goal. Are your kids old enough to oh, understand? Yeah. Oh yeah, I got a thirteen year old, ten year old, and a six year old. So my son's the oldest. He's thirteen, and he's been in locker rooms he, he even worked uh helped with the titans training camp this year was there every day you know folding towels and and doing all that kind of stuff so uh he understands this job and everything that comes with it and uh actually all the, all my kids really do so uh that's all they've known were the first calls daddy i want a jalen hurts jersey what was the uh yeah was it was the first request? well uh, my son bryce he knows aj just from being in the locker room back when he was that's with right. the titans uh but yeah jalen's on his fantasy team so of course <laughs> you know he was um he was kind of freaking out about that, maybe with the opportunity to meet him. But, uh, yeah, he he just enjoys football. And, uh, you know, we've been watching games ever since I got released. I've been watching games every Sunday just to kind of stay um, kind of locked in to kind of what happens because I never know – I never knew the, if I was going to get a phone call. I might have not got one all year, but I wanted to be prepared just in case and um, try to watch as much football as I can to be ready. And what do you – how much do you kick when you're – like at your like during the week when you're in – Tennessee, waiting for that yeah. call. Yeah, Tennessee. I was once a week. Um, like at the local high school. Lo yeah, it was a local high school, which was hard because I've been used to, you know, being in an NFL facility where you have all the the tools to get ready to get warmed up and all that kind of stuff. And when you're kicking out of high school, you just you, know, you show up with your bag of balls and uh, you know you you bring your Theragun and you got to try to do the best to get loose. 
um, you know, I was working out at Lifetime Fitness uh, <laughs> down in Nashville. And uh, you, know, you just stay ready. And I think more of anything, you got to be physically ready, but mentally too, because, um, you know, when you, when you kind of take your mind off of it, it's, it's really hard to, to get back into it. And so, um, you know, just staying mentally ready and physically ready for, for whenever I got a call. You have a bunch of K-balls in your, in your uh, garage? Yeah, 15 of them, actually, to be exact. Um, 15 of them. And, um, you know, just uh, the hard part was you know, I didn't want to go when it was raining. I felt like I needed to kick on certain days, but I couldn't because it was raining and, and all that kind of stuff. But you don't want to ruin those balls, you know, because you don't know when you can get them next. So. Brett Kern, thank you so much. You have a meeting to go to. I'm not paying your fine. Thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> Appreciate it. Welcome, welcome to Philly, and good to get to know you. Awesome, thanks. The New Orleans Saints are 6-9, and nine, still alive in the NFC South. John DeShazer covers the Saints for NewOrleansSaints.com, and he joins me on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. John, thanks so much for joining the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Uh, the Saints coming down. I know the fans um, have you know many many thoughts here. With Eagles, obviously, win clinches everything, and you know the first round draft pick from the Saints. Um, the Saints are still alive. I, I'm 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 kind of just curious the perspective from New Orleans. I think a few weeks ago everybody kind of wrote this New Orleans Saints off as a team that was dead, done, never to be heard from again. And here you go with two straight wins, and you're still mathematically alive. What is happening with this football team? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people still you know, have their reservations about, about the team, especially a team that's going to play a Philadelphia team that's been able to kind of wipe up the, the floor with them for the last uh, two seasons. So it's going to be difficult for them to, to win out. And yet, you know, you always want that glimmer of hope, whatever it is, whether it's 1% or, or if it's 98%, you just want a chance to be able to get in. So they've given themselves a chance. They're going to need a whole lot of help. Huh? They're going to need Tampa Bay to either lose out or lose one and tie one, and they're going to have to win out. But, you know, at least there's something to grasp onto in a season that's really really been difficult for the Saints. Um, they've got a ton of, of, of one-score losses. Um, if you reflect back to the Monday night game against Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago where they're leading 16-3 to in the fourth quarter, leading 16-3 to with about three minutes left in the fourth quarter and end up not lose, and not winning that game, uh, you reflect on some games like that, and, and you know the Saints really and truly have no one to blame but themselves that they're in a position where they need a whole bunch of help, but at least they're in a position where if they get that help and if they help themselves, then they've got a chance. Why has it been so difficult to win those games, John? What is just kind of in the overall perspective of the of the season? What has not gone according to plan for the Saints? Oh, the team has it's just been unfortunately terribly, you know, undisciplined in terms of penalties, and it's turned the ball over a ton of times. Um, you can't win in the NFL at the rate that the Saints have turned over the ball and at the rate that they have committed penalties. And so when you, you mix in those two factors and then you erase Michael Thomas for basically uh, the entirety of the season and you erase uh, Marshawn Lattimore on, on defense, uh, you're missing big, big, important pieces of what you want to do. Jarvis Landry on offense really hadn't had much of a season. Uh, and then you mix in the, the, the mistakes, the errors, the, the turnovers, the penalties. And now suddenly uh, you seem to be fighting from behind a lot more than you ordinarily would. And then you know, the Saints have, you know, the Saints have been one of the worst luck teams, if you want to call it that, that, I, that I've ever seen. I mean, the, the, the injuries for this team have been substantial and significant. 
and to guys who really, really are big contributors. And they've had to kind of navigate around that also. So it's just been one of those things where it's been a perfect storm of bad almost. Uh, and yet, you know, again, they're six and nine. And they, they've got a little bit of a chance, but it's just been one of those seasons where they haven't been able to put it together. When they have been able to put it together in certain games where they haven't turned it over and they haven't committed the penalties, they've been, they've been winners. I mean, it's been that simple. You know, when they play clean, they generally win, but they haven't played clean enough. All right, so let's talk about the offense first. Um, going into this game, just kind of the state of the Saints going into this game, uh, you know, they're getting some getting some big plays in the pass game. Obviously, Taysom Hill is a huge part of, of what you do. I think everybody's, um, you know, looking and going, hey, Rashid Shahid is a blazer and is a great vertical threat. And then, you know, Alvin Kamara does it all. Is that kind of what the Eagles, if, you, if you're up in Jonathan Gannon's, preparation room are those the three weapons he's most concerned with yeah pretty much and i mean if the saints are gonna gonna you know be competitive in the game if they're gonna win the game they're probably gonna have to do it by controlling the clock and, and being on the ground we've we've seen uh from you know from watching philadelphia this season the best way to beat that team is to keep that offense on the sideline watching because it's such an explosive offense. And that's what the Saints have been able to do in the last couple of games when they've been able to win. They've been able to run the ball. You know, Kamara, you mentioned, and, and Taysom Hill, you mentioned, uh, the combined rushing totals for those two guys in the last two games is 57 attempts. So almost 30 attempts, you know, per game from those two, you know, Kamara with 41 of those carries. And so, they kind of, you know, realized that, look, if you want to win games, and the best way to not turn it over is to not put yourself in a position where you're third and eight and you're third and 12 and those kinds of things where you have to throw it. If you can stay ahead of the sticks and if you can run it effectively, you can give yourself a chance to win games. And so they've been able to be, to do that on the ground and really uh, kind of amazing that they stuck with it against Cleveland because they fell behind 10 nothing. And generally, that's the recipe for a team to kind of abandon the run, but the Saints stayed with it. Uh, Kamara did his thing. Um, Taysom Hill did his thing, and they were able to kind of grind it out against the Browns. So, you know, that would be the recipe that they would have, I would imagine, against Philadelphia. Is they're going to have to grind it out. They're going to have to keep the ball. They're going to have to not turn it over, and they're going to have to put that Philadelphia offense on the sideline watching the game as opposed to being on the field swinging it around or if Jalen Hurts is playing and you put him in that you know, that zone read and, and, and that option. And, and, man, he is so difficult to deal with. Is Kamara the vintage Kamara that, that has been such a Pro Bowl, all pro, just dynamic threat? Is he still that player? He is. Um, for some reason, the usage of him this season has not been – what we would expect it to be. He's been healthy. Uh, he wants the ball. He's a guy who, you know, generally and traditionally has not been a 20 to 25 carry per game guy. He, you know, they like him when he's, you know, 13, 14 carries and maybe seven, eight catches. But for some reason, that usage has not been there this year. Now he has fumbled uh, four times, lost four fumbles. And also he's missed some assignments in third down uh, blitz pickup. You know, he's one of those guys who in the past, He's been pretty clean when it comes to, to pick up in the pass rush. And yet this season, he, he struggled with it at times. And so maybe that's been one of those reasons where he hadn't been in all the time. But, you know, he's the, he's the Saints' best offensive player. I, mean, I don't think there's any question about it. He is their best offensive player. And he might be even when Michael Thomas is healthy and his touches 
haven't been what you would expect them to be for a guy of his stature and his caliber. Now they have risen the last couple of games and that's helped the Saints offense tremendously. You know, he's had a couple, you know, 200 plus yards of the last couple of games combined and he's had about, you know, 45, 50 touches. So that's the Alvin Kamara that the Saints need to be successful. And that's the guy he's healthy enough. Uh, he wants the ball again, but you know, it's just been one of those things that's been a little bit perplexing, maybe because they've fallen behind and playing catch up. But he wants the ball, and he's a guy who, if this team's going to be successful, he needs the ball. On defense, um, look, the, the Saints are really just putting up great numbers. I mean, no, no more than 20 points since week nine. Uh, how are they doing it, John? What is, the, what is the state of the defense looking like coming into this one for New Orleans? Well, they found a pretty good groove. And even though they've had some injuries at linebacker with Pete Warner, Pete Warner was having a, a Pro Bowl season at linebacker, and then he got injured. And then Caden Ellis came in for him, and Caden Ellis picked right up where Pete Warner left off. So they've really gotten some good play there. But they've played through some injuries. Uh, but I think one of the big, big re- revelations has been the rookie cornerback, Alante Taylor. He has played his rear end off. I mean, he has really played well, and he's fearless. He doesn't care who it is, man, the man, he wants to take that challenge. And so I think that's helped out tremendously for this, for this defense. Uh, they hadn't gotten to the quarterback quite as often as they had during a stretch. It, you know, it's kind of, you know, tailed off just a little bit the last couple of games, but they've also played a really mobile quarterback in Atlanta, Desmond Ritter. And also, you know, in Deshaun Watson, it's tough to get those guys on the ground, but they were able, able to get Watson on the ground when it counted uh, late in that game. But, you know, the defense has really kind of kind of come around. They have not stopped the run the way they have the previous four or five years when they were a team that was allowing maybe 90 yards a game on the ground and, you know, maybe 3.7 yards a carry. This year has been a struggle stopping teams from running the ball effectively. And so that's why, you know, they've had to be better in the passing game because they haven't been able to stop teams from running the ball the way they're normally uh, accustomed to doing it. They haven't been able to make teams one-dimensional. They, you know, they kind of were with the Falcons because the Falcons didn't want to throw the ball at all with the rookie quarterback, but they were able to run for 200 yards. <laughs> so, you know, so that kind of, I don't want to say backfired because they won the game, but it was, it was a lot more of a struggle because they weren't able to take away the run. And in the NFL, if you can't take away the run, it's hard to stop much of anything if you can't take away the run. So they've had difficulty with that this season, and yet they've been a really uh, pretty good pass defense team. So, you know, they've been kind of reliant on that, on that aspect of it. I always look at that. I always find it like fascinating. Like, who in the NFL can actually match up with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith? And it always kind of came back to the Saints. Um, you, you feel like that's a, a matchup that, that New Orleans can compete with? Well, if you've got Lattimore, it gives you a whole lot better chance of being able to do that. And we don't, we're not sure if he's going to be able to play in the game. But he's been out since the Seattle game, I think, in October, and uh, with that with that um, abdominal injury. And so, if he's not back on the field, you know, you feel pretty good about Alante Taylor. You feel decent about Paulson Adilo, but you know, we're talking about two of the premier receivers in the NFL, and you don't make a living playing one on one against AJ Brown, and you really don't make a living playing one on one against Devontae Smith. Uh, those guys aren't aren't just they aren't crafty receivers. These are guys who get open and beat you. You know, whether it's Rouse or AJ Brown can be physical with you, uh, so they're really difficult to deal with. And so, if the Saints are going to play a man to man, you know, Alante Taylor is going to be probably the guy who. You know, I don't know if he will pick up A.J. Brown or not, but he plays physical enough. He's got enough confidence 
But again, we're talking about dealing with two guys who could be Pro Bowl receivers, uh, two guys who, when you put them out there one-on-one, if you're Philadelphia, you, you feel really, really confident in those matchups that people want to match up against them one-on-one. And if Marshawn Lattimore isn't playing and he hadn't played in a long time, even if he was playing, he'd have to knock off a ton of rust, then it's going to be difficult. So, John, finally, let's talk a little about the, the relationship between the Eagles and the Saints. Some trades made. Um, how do you feel, you know, looking back, uh, the first-round trades, uh, how'd that work out for New Orleans Eagles, of course, getting New Orleans' first-round pick in 2023? What did New Orleans do with the pick? How's that worked out for you? And then the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade. Well, the pick, they end up moving up and, and picking Chris Olave, the receiver. And, and from that standpoint, it's, it's worked out you know, well. Chris Olave has been, you know, he, he might have been the offensive rookie of the year. He's missed a couple of games here lately. Uh, but he has been a real, real revelation. Uh, he's a guy who, who can run the entire route tree. He can run past people. Uh, he seems to live open. Uh, he's got a real good connection with whatever quarterback is playing. So, you know, from that standpoint, the Saints feel pretty good about it. Now, of course, you don't expect to be six and nine and giving away a high pick uh, in the CJ Gardner Johnson trade. And then CJ comes and plays extremely well for Philly before he gets injured. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, at the time you feel like, you know, you feel pretty good. And then, you know, the guy gets on the field and he has the best season of his career, CJ Gardner Johnson. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not playing to the standard that you believe if you're the Saints. You know, instead of giving up a pick maybe in the mid-20s, you're giving up a pick that, you know, might be top 10 or 15. And so now, of course, it looks awfully, you know, not like you wanted it to look. But, you know, it is what it is now. You, you take Chris Olave, who's been really, really good for this team. He is a foundational piece who is extremely uh, intelligent. He came in playing like a veteran and he has looked like a veteran each and every day he's been on the field. So you take that foundational piece uh, and you build around it. The Saints, you know, we're going to have to figure out what they want to do with their quarterback in the off season. You know, and if you don't have the, the, the free to be able to do it in the draft, you don't have a first round pick, you know, where do you get one if you're looking for one? Uh, but they feel really good about a lot of them. The way he has played, you know, he's one of those guys that you feel like, Probably Philly feels like with Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown. If you can get him out there one-on-one, you feel really good about your chances. I know Olave's had a hamstring. What are his chances? I mean, we're talking early in the week here. What are his chances of playing on Sunday? Well, you're hoping. I mean, he missed last game with the hamstring, so we'll see what, what happens with it this week. Uh, if he can't go, and Jarvis Landry is already on injury reserve, and Michael Thomas is out for the season, that. That trickles down to Rashid Shahid, the undrafted rookie who has been a revelation for the Saints. You know, 19 catches and an average is about 20 yards a catch and a couple of touchdowns. And he's another guy who seems to have really developed. I know I didn't think that he was a receiver when the Saints, you know, signed him as an undrafted rookie. He was a return guy and he was a really good return guy. And who knew that he was going to be so effective in the past game? But he's been really an effective compliment to Chris Olave when Olave has been on the field. And even last week when Olave wasn't on the field, he was pretty much wide receiver one for the Saints against Cleveland and, and handled things pretty well. So, you know, you hope Olave is going to be out there. That hamstring is, is tender and it, it, it wouldn't allow him to play last week. And we understand with skill position guys, the hamstring is crucial and vital. And if it's not quite right, and if a guy can't do what he's normally able to do when he comes, you know, comes out of breaks and, you know, in terms in terms of acceleration and those kinds of things, 
if he's compromised, then he can't play. That was our first look at the Saints. Now, this is our extra point. A visit from the old school. Smallish, defensive end, gamer, good pass rusher. Still one of the all-time leading quarterback sack masters in Eagles franchise history. A visit from Sunday's honorary captain, Andy Harmon. The Eagles play the New Orleans Saints on Sunday as we usher in 2023. And we're going to do that with one of our former players, who I've known for so long. I was one of the young guys. He was a baby boy back in 1991 when he was drafted by the Eagles in the sixth round. Let's please welcome back former Eagles defensive tackle Andy Harmon. Good to see you there. Andy, you're looking great. So are you, Dave. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you. You still look like Oh, yeah, well, th- well, that's a lie, but thank you very much. You're, you're, you've really settled in in the corporate world there, haven't you? Um, Absolutely. Uh, hey, Andy, what's it going to be like coming back? You know, do, do you feel like you're going to have a flood of memories thinking back to those 1990 teams? You were here from 91 to 97, such a cast of characters, such interesting football times here. Uh, it actually was. We're so looking forward to it. Um, we're bringing the whole family back in. It's my wife's birthday on the 31st, so it's going to be fantastic. So um, Philadelphia is uh, the best place. I live in the, in Ohio near Cincinnati, and going to a Cincinnati game mm-hmm. is you might as well just fall asleep during the game. It's <laughs> nothing like Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia, the fans are fantastic. It's pretty wild. Well, it, it was interesting times in Philly back then, for sure. Um, so, for those who don't know, uh, it, it's very interesting, Andy. If you look at the list of all-time sack leaders in Philadelphia, there's your name, number eight all-time, 39 and a half career sacks, second to Fletcher Cox among defensive tackles in team history. And it, it was rare that defensive tackles were pass rushers that had that, that they had that kind of skill set. So I ask you, do you think you were ahead of your time? <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife I was. But <laughs> I tell you what, it was, um, you know, Fletcher Cox is a beast. He's unbelievable. The whole defensive line they have right now is playing great. But, you know, when I was there, I had a great cast around me, and I just, um, you know, you just work hard and try to make things happen. And, you know, with the players we had, it was, uh, they made it easy for me. Yeah, what was it like for you getting, A, getting drafted sixth round, 1991, Kent State, coming to Philly? What was that experience like? And then walking into a locker room with Reggie White and, you know, Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons and all, starstruck? Absolutely. So when I was at Kent, my junior year, we had the longest losing streak in the nation, Division One. We were horrible. So for me to um, even think about playing in the pros the next year would have been absolutely impossible thought. Um, but, um, you know, and then that year, um, as I was drafted, um, I was drafted as a defensive end to back up Reggie and Clyde, maybe. I get into camp, and Clyde held out, so I got to kind of work my way into the starting lineup. So I tell you, I mean, talk about we went to London for the first game. The first preseason game was in London. I'm in Wembley Stadium starting against the Bills. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, coming from Kent State, we haven't won a game in years, and uh, it was super exciting. And then my first game um, was um, when once I actually made the team um, was in Green Bay, and at that time we stood um, 
uh, numerically. So I'm standing next to Reggie White, Mike Golick, Jerome Brown's just a few people away. I mean, let's talk about starstruck. Lambeau Field, 70 degrees. I mean, it was amazing. A, yeah. day, a day just, that a day that ended uh, in in a very uh, somber way. Correct. Randall Cunningham getting injured to open that season. Tough one. Um, you know what was the personality of that locker room like, Andy? <laughs> well, uh, it was amazing. Those guys were. I mean, they were, they were buddies, guys for the most part. And they that defense had their an unbelievable attitude, right? They were, they were buddies guys. And so, uh, you know, I just came in, I never met buddy, but, um, it just, to, to the way they, they, um, played the game was, uh, was amazing. And in the locker room, absolutely very interesting. <laughs> key, key to your success, because it was, it was a, uh, a different thing. I mean, undersized defensive tackle, very quick off the ball. As you said, you, you, Really, just your your skill was a, one of the skills. Other than being a great athlete and being so fast, and you had great leverage. You know, you didn't quit at all on anything. I mean, what made it work for you so well? Well, once again, being around some wonderful athletes, and and they're making plays, and you know, you just kind of feed off each other. Um, my first year, R Reggie would tell me, "Hey, you know, Andy, don't worry, you can practice for me all week. I'll be there for you on Sunday." <laughs> so, my first year, just getting to know everything and, and learning from these guys, they were amazing. Clyde was such a teacher; um, he was an amazing person to learn from. So, um, then get out there, and you know, everybody just wanted to perform and do the best, and they all supported each other. Andy, do you look back a lot on those days? Do you, did you share it with your kids, who obviously? We're not here at that time, and that, that dad uh, played professional football. And, and hey, here's some here's some tape. Let's watch dad play professional football. Yeah, we definitely don't watch any tape. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we talk about it a little bit when we're watching the games and such. But you know, it's it's half my life ago. Um, it's a lot of great memories. But my kids really don't want to hear about it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jerome Brown. <laughs> well, I believe Jerome Brown was a training camp roommate of yours, maybe. Well, uh, yeah, we, or on the road. Actually, on the road, uh, my first at my rookie season when we were at road games, he uh, he uh, he he was my roommate. But basically, he would pull up a little black book and he'd get on the phone. Um, this is really before cell phones, and he would make a few phone calls, and then he'd look at his watch and he'd say, "Okay, Andy, um, you have to go." <laughs> I perfect perfectly I thought he was going to be the one who was going to blow the uh, blow the curfew and you were going to like have to pretend to be two guys in two different beds I mean I, I don't no, know no, I, I don't want to know uh, yeah, I, I just spent a lot of time in the lobby I, I don't want to hey Bud Carson um, defensive coordinator um, you know we we have been very proud of the way this defense has performed this season and Jonathan Gannon is building something really great here we look back at some of the great defenses in Eagles history, John, Jimmy Johnson's great Ds, uh, Bud Carson. Um, what, was, what was Bud's defense all about? Bud had, it was complicated. Um, we had all these, what they called them, automatic front and coverages. Um, BTS were blitz the formation. So every formation the, the offense had that week, we would, we would have a blitz and a regular front for that. But then... On Saturday, he would change the whole thing, <laughs> and uh, I felt really bad for you know 
for the, the for the linebackers for Byron Evans and maybe Andre Waters trying to make their adjustments back there. But Reggie would always just say to me, Andy, just tell me where we're going. So right. we we're always on the same page. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you do you look at think of Reggie and just think of just what an amazing all time best of the best of the best football oh. through all these years. I mean, you know, 30 years later, here we are. And Reggie White's still the best of all of them. Absolutely. I mean, he was he was amazing. Um, and uh, to watch the things he could do to grown men was it was unbelievable. And uh, and uh, it was almost effortless for him. And, uh, you know, we we're super sad that he died so young. It's really, really hard to believe. But, um, you know, you don't know when you're living life where you what happens. But I'm just blessed to have him in my life for the time we had him. Yeah, for sure, we all feel that way. Andy, what was it like coming from Dayton, Ohio to, to Philly? And, and kind of how would you describe, you mentioned it earlier, but how would you describe the football culture in this town? It's bar none the best. I, I, I was actually talking to a client of mine yesterday. He's a Kansas City fan, and they, he grew up in Kansas City. And, and we played out there, and, and um, I told him how great that playing in that uh, stadium was and how loud it was. And so we were talking about it. I mean, like I said earlier, the Bengals, you go to that game, it's like sitting in a living room. People might be cheering. I mean, in Philly, now, I played at the Vets, so that was a whole different story, too. Um, but um, absolutely – one of my funniest stories is WIP was having a, uh, a contest where someone could get married at halftime. I don't know if you remember this, but the, we were standing in a tunnel waiting to get back out, and it was kind of dragging on, and we're like, what the heck? And so we go in there, and we're kind of squirting out the tunnel a little bit, and we're like, are they booing? <laughs> are they booing? Like this, this, this woman and man are getting married out there, right? They're super excited about it. Well, here as we squirm our way out, and it's just about over here, the whole stadium is mooing this lady on her wedding Oof. day. And I'm sure she loved it. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, you have to know what because to expect. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, what are you doing these days? You talk about a client. Are you, what kind of business are you in? So I own an insurance agency. Cool. Very how's, simple. How's yeah. life is good. You look great. You feel great. You wake up. You wake up every morning and and, remi and your knees remind you that you played at Veterans Stadium. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Andy. I took some weight off. That's helped. But yeah, yeah that's uh, the, the Veterans Stadium was a little rough on the, the knees and feet and hips. That's for sure. You look great. Also was Dallas's offensive line. Yeah, that's true. They were they were big big dudes, man. They were they were tough. They were in, er, er, tackling Emmett Smith couldn't have been a picnic either. No. So, hey man, look, uh, happy holidays. Uh, we'll see you in a couple days here. Uh, looking forward to ushering in the new year. Former Eagles defensive tackle Andy Harmon, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me here. And we look forward to really celebrating and ushering in the new year in style on Sunday. We're super excited, Dave. Thanks for having me. Great to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks so much to Andy for joining us. That was our extra point for this Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thank you all for joining me here. Thanks to Peter Kelly and Kira Mahoney and a great team of people that Peter has overseen here for the year. Our podcast just rocks and rocks and rocks. We thank uh, the Eagles Media Relations team and the Eagles Locker Room for being such a willing part to sit down and be open and honest and have great conversation with me. Uh, thanks to Ray Doyle for all of his work for putting this together. We're really proud of the work we've done in 2022, and we will strive for more in 2023 beginning on Sunday 
when the Eagles play the New Orleans Saints. A lot on the line of victory clinches the number one seed in the NFC playoffs, a bye week, and home field advantage for the Eagles in the NFC postseason. So the Eagles need a win on Sunday. What a great way to usher in the new year. Everyone, make sure you join us then for our Instant Reaction podcast from Lincoln Financial Field. Hopefully, a very happy locker room there. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks to all of you for your support throughout 2022. Here's to a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2023. With all of us, we're in it together. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And go, Birds! Birds!